Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I got a bit of sad news this morning because after six years, a high-profile marriage of entertainment and media is coming to an end. We all know how messy divorce proceedings can get. One of the wealthiest and most famous businessmen in the world is about to test just how big a settlement can get. Rupert Murdoch has made headlines this week with news he's divorcing wife number four, supermodel Jerry Hall. Today on the Indo Daily. Media mogul, kingmaker, and now he's on marriage number five, the life and succession of Rupert Murdoch. She met Rupert Murdoch at the vineyard at a function in September last year, and apparently he waited a couple of weeks and then he called her and they started seeing each other and he proposed in New York on St. Patrick's Day. This media magnet definitely knows how to sell news. Presidents and prime ministers seek his approval when they're running for office. It's my distinct honour to introduce the Commander-in-Chief and the President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. And thank you to my very good friend, Rupert Murdoch. There's only one Rupert that we know. Cunning, smart, cutthroat and ruthless, his business style has shaken the media world for decades with devastating consequences. Hundreds of demonstrators and policemen have been injured as each Saturday the streets around the plant are turned into a battleground. This is industrial relations, Rupert Murdoch style, but it has great implications for all groups of workers. But life has not always been plain sailing for one of the world's wealthiest CEOs. And on several occasions, he's found himself and his businesses facing ruin. I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Enda Brady, media consultant and former Sky News correspondent, to look at the life, times, and the succession of Rupert Murdoch, the man behind the headlines. So, Enda, Rupert Murdoch is in the news again, and I know that we're all very fascinated with his um, vivacious love life. We might start with the divorce he had from supermodel Jerry Hall last year. He seems like a gentleman who would be fond of a prenup. So how much do we actually know about that divorce and whether or not Jerry Hall is likely to get a lot of the Murdoch millions from it? I got a bit of sad news this morning because after six years, a high-profile marriage of entertainment and media is coming to an end. 91-year-old media mogul Rupert Murdoch calling it quits with former model Jerry Hall. Let's head to Sam Rubin in Hollywood for the details. Sam, was this a bit of a surprise? Uh, Ali, I think it was a big surprise. Rupert Murdoch uh, tweeted that he was the happiest and luckiest man alive when he married Jerry Hall. Well, look, they got married in 2016 and it ended last year. And I think, you know, 
she's so famous and glamorous and he's such a powerful man. Obviously, there was huge media interest in the relationship. Um, he said at the time he felt like the happiest man in the world. And then out of nowhere, then summer last year, the relationship ended. Various different media reports suggesting that he had sent her an email saying it was over. We know no more. Um, but it was a, a six-year marriage and it ended last year and I guess it ends in divorce and there will be some settlement for her um, but we know no more and that was the fourth of his marriages and we now know that he's planning for the fifth. Yeah he doesn't hang around as he said he is engaged now for the fifth time and I think he said um, hopefully the last time. What do we know about this marriage and um, the, the lucky lady? So we know that the bride-to-be is 66-year-old Anne Leslie Smith. They met in September of last year. He owns a vineyard in Bel Air in California. It's called Maraga Vineyard. I actually know people have been to it. Apparently, it's a spectacular property. Anne Leslie Smith is a very successful lady. Her late husband was a country music musician in the United States called Chester Smith. He was a musician. He was a businessman. She has done everything from working as a prison chaplain to being a dental hygienist, a very successful lady in her own right. Um, she met Rupert Murdoch at the vineyard at a function in September last year, and apparently he waited a couple of weeks and then he called her and they started seeing each other and he proposed in New York on St. Patrick's Day. That's as much as we know. There are a couple of quotes that have been doing the rounds saying that, you know, he's looking forward to spending the rest of his life with her and she's saying that she just feels really lucky and happy and in love and it's a gift from God. So very little more about any wedding plans or nuptials or what's going to happen, but um, she will be his fifth wife. Wow. So tell me very briefly then about um, the wives who kind of came before. So he got married in 1956 to Patricia Booker um, he was 25, she was 18, she was uh, an air hostess, and together they were married 56 until 1967. Uh, they had one child, a daughter, Prudence. She's now 65, and she's a newspaper executive. Now, that marriage ended in 1967. He then married a Glasgow-born former journalist called Anna Torv, or Anna Murdoch, as she became known. And that marriage lasted from 1967 up until 1999, turn of the century. Together, they had three children, Elizabeth, Lachlan and James. And they separated in 99 after 32 years of marriage. And now those three children have quite a public profile. Elizabeth is the child that Rupert has told people is the most like him. Lachlan is someone who wants his father's approval. He spent a lot of time modeling himself after his father. He was known as the prince. And then there's James, the black sheep of the family. He's dropped out of Harvard and invested in rap music. No sooner had that marriage ended than he then married uh, a Chinese TV reporter who was basically a, a member of his staff at Star TV in the Far East, Wendy Deng. Um, they were married from 99 until 2013, and they two children together, Grace and Chloe. She interpreted for me as we went around China, mm -hmm. and, you know, who wouldn't fall in love with a beautiful woman like that? Mm -hmm. Well, I love her, and I asked her, and she said no. And uh, 
It took me a long time to persuade her. A successful man needs a critical wife. So they're obviously, you know, still children. And they divorced in 2013. That marriage ended with a divorce in 2013. And then he married Jerry Hall three years after that. Wow, I feel like the people who are listening, they probably know the Murdoch brand so well. Like they've heard of Fox, they've heard of Sky, but maybe they don't know a lot about the influential man behind it and the kind of might that he's had and the influence that he's had on the media. So I know that he started out, um, he left school in Australia, he worked at a newspaper and kind of built his empire there. But it was in the late 60s when he came to the UK, like he really shook up Fleet Street and he really left his mark on the, the British media industry for better or worse. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one on it to answer that, of course, and that's yes. So the newspaper background, really, the story of Rupert Murdoch, Keith Rupert Murdoch, starts in South Australia. His dad, Sir Keith Murdoch, was a, a very famous Australian war correspondent and publisher. So journalism was in the family blood. His dad was the publisher. He owned uh, newspapers in Adelaide, the Sunday Mail and the News, uh, very successful newspapers. Uh, Rupert Murdoch carved out his, his niche in South Australia before coming to the UK. And really, his career went off like a rocket here. People think of Fleet Street, phenomenal newspaper sales, the Sun newspaper, which he took and turned into a, an absolute giant of a publication, four million paper printed copy sales every day at its peak um, and even now online it still does very very well indeed and he shook up Fleet Street there was the famous uh, industrial relations dispute in Wapping with the, the printers who wanted to do things the old way and Mr Murdoch wanted to do things his way and ultimately that strike went on and on and resulted in a victory for him. Hundreds of demonstrators and policemen have been injured as each Saturday the streets around the plant are turned into a battleground. This is industrial relations, Rupert Murdoch style, but it has great implications for all groups of workers. He changed the media landscape here, started out in papers and then went into broadcasting and in February 1989 launched Sky or B Sky B as it was to begin with. And I mean, a phenomenal success story. And I was very lucky to spend two decades of my career at Sky. And you see the standards of the journalism, the quality of the journalism, the investment in news. I mean, the Times newspaper he owns, that's got tens of millions of pounds pumped into it every year. I mean, I think he's immensely proud of what he has achieved in the media around the world. And it's not just the UK. I mean, Star TV in Asia, he still has holdings in Australia and all over the world. And of course, uh, crucially in the United States as well. So to go from small town South Australia to global dominance I mean, he's an absolute force of nature. And talk to me about your own experience um, working for Sky, like uh, probably one of the jewels in the crown of the Murdoch media empire. He has this reputation for being quite ruthless, being a little bit ha hands-on, maybe too hands-on. What was your experience like working for a Rupert Murdoch company? Well, in the two decades I was at Sky, I only found out that he'd been 
on the site or in the premises in West London on a, on a couple of occasions. And one was when Sky News moved into a new state-of-the-art studio. They called it Unit One. And, and these were the glory days. I mean, Eamon Holmes was on The Breakfast Show, absolutely smashing its sunrise from 6 a.m. Uh, till 9 every day. Viewing figures were fantastic. The, the investment in news, the ambition, the RTS awards that we won, Royal Television Society. I mean, every year there was Reporter of the Year, Story of the Year, Scoop of the Year, TV News Channel of the Year. Rupert Murdoch turned up for the opening of Unit 1. And then the only other time that I was aware that he was on site was after the American company Comcast actually bought Sky. And the new building that Sky News then moved into, and Sky Sports are in there still, and Sky Sports News as well, that building was renamed in his honour. And it is called the Keith Rupert Murdoch Building to this day. That is amazing. And yeah, I think that um, that is one of the things that marks out the Murdoch company, where he tried to put his own ethos into every single brand and every single venture, no matter how big it got. And I know that when he had, um, he has a small presence here in Ireland, but when I was working for one of his newspapers, he did like fairly regularly come over for something that was so probably negligible compared to his other ventures. Um, unfortunately, when I met him, I got absolutely no media gossip out of it. All I remember is he was wearing a kind of pair of... Um, velvet berry coloured shoes that Jerry Hall had bought him in Paris the week before and he was very proud of them and showed them off to us but that's all I can kind of remember from my interactions with him. Just an extraordinary man Ellen you know when you look at what he's achieved um, you know local newspapers right now are struggling I mean I started out in County Wexford on the Enniscorthy Echo and that was invaluable for me we've no my dad was a guard my mother was a psychiatric nurse in Enniscorthy in St. Sennans Hospital um, you know, when you've got no family connection to the media, it's very difficult to get started. And I started out on a local paper and local papers in Britain, in Ireland, all over the world. Local news is struggling now because the digital age, everyone's on social media, everyone's getting their news off social media platforms. So I think to rejuvenate print newspapers was a phenomenal thing to do. He's a very clever man. And everywhere he has been, he has created success and value for shareholders, I guess. And beyond the media, there is kind of a perception of Rupert Murdoch as this kind of political kingmaker that he, either he himself or the brands that he had, I'm thinking particularly of titles like The Sun, would kind of have the power to to pull or sway elections. And I know that there was um, a really interesting run-in that he had with John Major in the 90s when the then Prime Minister was trying to regulate the media a little bit more heavily. A lot of people kind of attribute that to being the reason why the Sun then broke nearly the habit of a lifetime and backed Blair. Do you think that that is um, that that happened? That that was an example of Rupert Murdoch's direct influence on his title. Tony Blair, whose visit is upsetting many in the Labour Party. Have you come halfway around the world to talk to Rupert Murdoch and his men? Well, it's important, obviously, because this is a major conference of one of the largest media outlets in the world. I think it's important the Labour Party makes the case as to why, in a world of very great change, we are the best people to handle that change. Look, I think super smart people are able to look which way the wind is going. The Conservatives have been in power since 1979. And I mean, everyone knew that towards the end, the wind was changing in the direction of New Labour and Blair and 
a new communicator, someone with a different message, a stronger speaker, a better orator. And I think everyone realized that the wind was changing. And yeah, I guess people back horses as they see fit. But make no mistake, he could make or break a prime minister because that was his power. The media brand he built up, you got 4 million people reading the most popular newspaper in the country every day. And that newspaper supports one politician or one party or or gives people the opportunity to look at something differently. You're going to have a hell of a lot of influence. And he had and he still has at 92. And even at the other side of the Atlantic, you might see some more extreme versions of that kind of um, political influence in the media. I'm obviously talking about Fox, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of attention put on the the relationship between Murdoch and Trump. Trump was kind of seen as a bit of a cash cow for Fox News when he when he won in 2016. Do we know much about what the actual relationship between between Murdoch and Trump was? It's my distinct honor to introduce the Commander in Chief. And the President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. And thank you to my very good friend, Rupert Murdoch. There's only one Rupert that we know. Well, I'm not sure how much of a relationship there is now. But mm. look, I think smart people in the media realize that someone like Donald Trump generates clicks, generates viewers, generates revenue. And yeah, Fox News, I guess, was, was the home place where Trump would always want to kind of do his interviews and we famously know that he hated CNN. Because your question is a very political question, because you have an agenda. You're CNN. You're fake news. Trump, a very, very difficult man to deal with. Um, but he got himself into the White House. He got himself elected. And I think it was probably a difficult relationship. I, I couldn't imagine anyone having a good relationship with, with someone like Donald J. Trump, because we've seen the explosive presentation style. We've seen the news conferences, we've seen the fallouts, we've seen the way Trump behaved time and time again, whether in person or on social media. Um, but I think Rupert Murdoch's e expansive media empire to span from New York City all the way across the globe, across Europe, into China, back down to South Australia, and still be going at 92 years of age. I mean, he's he's seen prime ministers come and go. He's seen presidents come and go, and I'm not sure he'll be too bothered about what Donald Trump does next. Yeah, and I know that um, one of the, you know, in a very, very long career, one of the blackest marks and probably one of the biggest controversies that um, Murdoch faced was the the fallout of the phone hacking scandal in the UK. And I know that that was such a reckoning, not just for the News of the World, which shuttered after it, but for, I suppose, tabloid culture or newspaper culture in, in the UK more generally. You're familiar with the word mafia? Yes, Mr. Watson. Mr. Murdoch, you must be the first Mafia boss in history who didn't know he was running a criminal enterprise. Mr. Watson, please. I think that's inappropriate. Talk to me about what effect that actually had on Rupert Murdoch. You know, is that going to be something that uh, is going to stain his legacy? And talk to me about, you know, just how, how important that was for, for him and for his brands. I think it was a seismic moment for tabloid journalism in the UK. I covered it. I was there every single day outside the News of the World offices in Wapping for Sky News. And I saw it from the inside. I mean, we covered that without fear, without favour. And I was reporting for Sky News at the time. And we were out there every single day. And it was quite clear that decisions were being made at a rapid pace. And as soon as Rupert Murdoch found out that this had gone on and 
It's rogue reporters you're talking about here, private investigators that were acting illegally. As soon as that was found out, he acted decisively. He shut down that newspaper. It went out of existence. There was the final print run. But I mean, again, a newspaper that had built up colossal sales, mostly built around, you know, stories of wrongdoing by celebrities, bit of titillation and crime stories and a huge focus on sport as well. So the News of the World was a monstrously successful newspaper and Rupert Murdoch, as soon as he was made aware of what was going on, he acted decisively and that ended. I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. And that was a scandal that obviously Murdoch, you know, survived. He, he stayed in place, although I suppose people would have felt that maybe his son James took some of the flack and resigned from some key positions in the wake of it. And speaking of James, I know that we're a few days away from the fourth and final season of Succession, which I'm absolutely bet into. But for anyone who doesn't watch it, you know, it follows the story of this sort of ageing captain of industry father, this patriarch of a media empire who has three squabbling children who want to push him aside and take over. It's widely perceived to be based, initially at least, on the Murdoch family. And on that, I wonder, you know, between the three uh, three of his six children who have been tipped to take over, Elizabeth, Lachlan and James, do you have a view on who you think at this moment in time would be the front runner for that job? So there's always speculation. And it's interesting that you mentioned succession because a reporter managed to find an email address from Mr. Murdoch recently and sent a, a question and said, hey, um, do you watch Succession? And Rupert Murdoch actually wrote back, never watched it. Three <laughs> words, just wrote back, never watched it. So that it's really interesting, you know, and obviously all the speculation is that this TV drama has been kind of loosely based around the story of his family. Um, he has six children. The eldest, Prudence, 65 years of age, newspaper executive, and I think she's deliberately kind of kept her her face and her name out of the media spotlight. Perhaps the three most prominent are Elizabeth Lachlan and James. Now, they're all smart operators. They know the media. They know the industry. And they're extremely well-connected people. Over the years, James Murdoch was heavily involved in Sky. Uh, Lachlan heavily involved in the business as well. And Elizabeth, too. The two children with Wendy Deng, they won't, I don't believe, be involved in in the succession or the media plan or whatever. But um, ultimately, I, I'm not going to pick one of them, but I think it would be between Elizabeth Lachlan or James, but they're probably in pole position and it'll be between them. But look, he's 92. His mother kept going till, what was she, almost 100. Um, he's not the kind of man who's ever going to take his foot off the gas. So I think when you're that powerful, you're that intelligent and you're that used to running things, I, I can't see him going and playing golf anytime soon. And my thanks to Enda Brady for joining me today. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Paul Highland, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from BBC, ITV, The Guardian, ITN, The Daily Mail, Sky News, The Hollywood Reporter, Seven News Australia, A Current Affair, House of Commons TV, The Telegraph, The Daily Star, the theme song from HBO Succession and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.